Okay. Can you hear me? I can't hear you. I was muted. That's my bad. <laughs> there we go. I'm like, it's all plugged in. It's all set to work. I'm like, oh, no, you're just muted. It's... I'll get there at some point. It's fine. Classic. You know, it is a Tuesday, so... Yeah. I ain't judging. We can only expect so much. Um, Indeed. Oh, I've got to... I mean, we don't necessarily have to, but I'm going to... You gotta get all your things ready. Yeah. I'm gonna see whatever the fuck this is. I what am very thing? excited about this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully it all goes well. I'm, I know I'm how a little that is. I'm a little nervous to tell my first story, but we're gonna Ooh, do it. It's gonna be fine. Are you It'll sure? Yeah. Oh, it's so gonna be just fine. Okay, if you're sure. I am sure. And I uh, hope to... I'm glad that we were actually able to get this started a little earlier, even though we're yeah. technically starting later. I, yeah. uh, have, I've been up since a little before 5 a.m. Uh, uh, no! Uh, that's early. It's, yeah, sort of by choice, because... Okay. Um, you may or may not be aware that, like, when Christmas starts, we do insane hours. Yeah. So yeah. we have to get into the office uh, at six, and we just deliver packages for, like, two hours. Then we come back, we do our regular day, and uh, uh, okay, right, we'll see if Sam's is okay. What are you... You're just going to whine about my food. All right. Well, if you can stay there, you can, if you can be quiet, you'll be all right. Anyways. Um, she wants to be involved. Come on. She really wants the food. Yeah. You want the puff pastry, don't you? Oh, she's so excited. She does. She wants a little snack. Um, but anyways, we got to notice that we, we, we started our hours on Saturday because uh, with Veterans Day, they wanted to get a jump on packages because we were closed. So I went in at 6 yeah. on Saturday, and uh, then we knew Monday was going to be bad, so I went in on six, at 6 on Monday, and they had a notice by the time clock, like, hey, we're starting our Christmas hours, so be here at 6. So Ooh. I got up at Yeah. So I, I woke up a little before 5 this morning. I took my shower, got my coffee, got into work a few minutes late. And I noticed that nobody else was there. And I was like, what? <laughs> what the fuck is going And I put my stuff down, and I'm like, all the trucks are here, so it's not like everybody got Did in here way fast. not show up? Yeah. And the, so before I did, like bothered anyone with a bunch of questions, I went back to the time clock and looked at the flyer again. And yeah. I did read correctly that it said, starting Monday, we're going to be doing these hours but I did not finish the sentence that said just Mondays. Like, each Monday oh. we're going to do it. was like, oh, God damn it. It was just Mondays and not yeah. starting Monday through yeah. the rest of time which, until yeah, which, we decided we don't need to do this anymore. Yes, yeah. and it is a decent likelihood that, like, after Thanksgiving or something, it will end up being every day. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's just what we did at my old office. Like, once we started the early start times, 
that was it. it. Yeah, that was it for the rest of the Christmas season until they told, like, we would be into February. Last year, we were almost into March when we finally stopped coming in at 530. Yeah, it took a while. Yeah, so, oh, right. Yeah, we were recording then, so that makes sense. We were, and you're like, I've been up since before time. I'm like, ew. Yeah. Ew. So it's uh, so luckily I get to sleep in a little bit tomorrow, relatively That'll speaking, nice. and then I'm off on Thursday, so I'll I'll get to rest. But yeah, it's been a it's been a bit of a day. I understand how how that goes. I am I feel like I work all the time now. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, since I currently have the two part time jobs. Oh right. I've been having some more hours at my what I call my day job which is the real estate investment firm marketing stuff. Oh yeah. So like yesterday I was there a regular 9 to 5 and then I'm doing that on Friday because we're having our Thanksgiving party which I'm excited about. But then I have my freelancing stuff and then I get home and I'm like, it is six o'clock and I'm tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm Absolutely. like, I usually I, which has led to me working on like Saturdays because when I have days like that, I'm like, I don't want to be working for another two hours until like eight o'clock tonight. I want to yeah. relax and like do other things. Well, and doing this kind of brought me back to college and made me remember just how like, uh, of a procrastinator I can be because like <laughs> I sit down in an afternoon and uh, like especially after work and I'm like I don't want to write anything and I'm like I don't, I don't feel like that. researching yeah but I'm like <laughs> do this so I'm like okay I'm gonna start with like some YouTube videos and the whole point is I'm going to try to find info about this particular person I just pull up YouTube like the the just opening splash page and there's already so many other things that like my mind gets distracted and i'm like ooh, another like murder case oh boy or like hey is that a series murder. of cat videos yeah and then it's, <laughs> videos. it's they already get yeah they do and they got good compilations and they're like 20 minutes long sometimes and then i've, I've started yeah. getting into the fail army videos and those are fun because people are oh dumb. those are funny yeah and then yeah. it's 11 o'clock, and I'm like, I should have already gone to bed an hour ago. <laughs> like, oh, no, the time is gone. Yeah. Oops. And then it was, like, Saturday night, and I'm like, I have to finish writing this goddamn shit. It's... And anyway. To be fair, I felt like that, I think, starting, I felt like, oh, my gosh, I have so much to do, and it's so time-consuming. But then, I guess, with practice... Doing mm-hmm. it more, I'm like, oh, it takes me like a few hours. Done. That's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'm well, like, am I just I... more efficient or do I procrastinate less? I have yet to figure that out. Mm, that's yeah. I mean, I suppose it would. It's been a year now, so I suppose yeah. that would stand to reason. You kind of just build a a discipline for it, and you just get better I at it. it. Oh I am gosh. just very disciplined now. Yeah. Yeah, I am not. But well, um, it got done. So hooray. Yes. And, and speaking of, of a year, hello, everybody, and welcome. 
Hello. This, this is uh this is uh the, the peculiar pairings podcast. I almost fucked up the whole thing. I'm that I'm that <laughs> like in my head about it. We've only been doing this for a year. Yeah, and shut up. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Celine. Welcome. Hello. Hello. And, and this is uh something of a special episode because this is yeah. we're, we're, this is our like one year anniversary show. It's, it's, it is. It's so exciting. And I, I'm just a little timid. I'm excited. I'm going to say... I'm too. It's also... I, I want to say this was going to be like our 30th episode. But then since we added the Delphi murders, mm, it'll be 31. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh great. So okay. It's a close second. But hey, I think... Well, I yeah. think an update in a case is kind of worth it. Absolutely. And 31, we got a one in there for the one year anniversary. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it, it works. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. When we do the another year anniversary, it can be like 62 or whatever it ends up being. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. So it's been, yeah, it's been good. So before we get into the topic, would you like to tell us about what our treat is? Yes. So the pairings I have today. I, I guess, sorry, before we jump in exactly, the whole reason that this is like, we kind of reversed <laughs> things a little bit. Yeah. So we did. Like, we did. We've been, we talked about what we wanted to do to like mark the one year thing. And we decided to do a, a sort of flip the script. We're doing a pairing peculiarly, I guess yes. you could call it. As and in, so, I am picking our pairing and Matt yeah. is telling our story. Yeah, that's why I'm a little nervous, because I haven't done this before. I haven't been on this side. So, anyways, I didn't mean to very rudely interrupt you, but I feel like we should explain what the fuck is going on. Yes. Uh, so, the pairings I picked, based off of our topic, is a Sam Adams beer, in nice. which Gabriel so kindly picked out the cherry wheat, because it is seasonal, oh. and he thought it would be nice. And mm-hmm. it is. Oh, and it, it, well, that's good. <laughs> I have been enjoying it. It's I, garbage. It's kind of got like a nice fall feel to it, so I've been enjoying it. I'm like, mm, sweet. I like these. I uh, I had a longer than expected time at the the place of liquor. Um, I was just looking for the standard Boston Lager. I realized yeah. too, I have not had Sam Adams since early college days, you know, kind of back in the age when you're still sort of developing a taste for beer. And I remember yeah. not liking it at all. And I realized just now that like, I hadn't really d- developed my palate for beer. And I, I find it yeah. to be quite good, actually. It's quite it refreshing. Is. It's crisp. But I at first could only find non-alcoholic uh, Sam Adams. I oh. even took a picture, and I almost gave up, and then I realized that it was just in this other set. Like, I was just in oh, the wrong spot, the wrong and spot. yeah, and I was like, it shouldn't be this hard to, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty big beer. I mean, it's, it's known, yeah. you know, far and wide. It, it shouldn't be this hard to find, but yeah, yeah. it was almost, it was, it was a very harrowing adventure. Interesting. And then, uh, our food pairing is yeah. a... Blue cheese, bacon, onion, tart. Yeah. Which I picked based on the last name of the person we were talking about because I thought his last name sounded fancy. So I wanted a treat that sounded like posh and fancy. And I was like, "Mm, 
hearts. Oh, and that's how I picked it. When you first said that, I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like his last name at all. <laughs> like, it has some of the same letters, but like not in the order. And then you were like, just sounds fancy. I'm like, okay. Yeah, no, I got yeah. you. That makes sense. I thought at first, like, because... Like, and when we get into it, you'll see it's, like, kind of the colonies, New England sort of thing. I thought you yeah. were going for, like, a Massachusetts, like, Philadelphia theme. I but thought I, about that. Well, and it, it works. We get, we got cream cheese in here, and there's caramelized onions and bacon. Mm. And um, I, I mine had blue cheese. I don't know what you oh, did with cheese. I took your suggestion. Uh, for anyone listening, do not hate me. I do not like blue cheese. Uh, I do not like it, Sam. I am. I do not like it with green eggs and ham. Yeah, it's it's weird because I've had it enough times. I feel like I can confidently just say it's not like I've never had enough or or like not good blue cheese or it's just yeah. It's almost like ranch, but then like it sat out too long. I don't know because it's it's not like I won't eat it at all. Like I won't pick it off or anything. I'll just be a little disappointed if I'm like, oh, it's blue cheese. Okay, I mean, I'll take it, but yeah, like I'll take it, but like fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just that really shitty way of like, do you have anything else? No, it's just no. Okay, oh, okay, fine. Oh, okay, that's fine. Okay, yeah, it's, it's fine. If, that, if that's all you have, if that's all you have, if it's okay. all you have, it's fine. Like I'm, I will live, and it's it's fine. It's like when you order Coke and they're like, we only have Pepsi, and you're like. Okay, fine. If that's all you have. Like, if that's... Okay. I but I, I will say, I, I normally uh, uh, save my first bites for when we actually start recording. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I kind of hate you because this may be the best treat that we've had. It was... And you were right, it looked a little intimidating Ooh. when you first sent me the thing. But I also didn't realize that you could... And I've watched enough cooking shows and stuff. I didn't realize you could just, like, go and get uh, puff pastry. I've never it's cooked awesome. with it at all. It is. It's like, I could, I couldn't, I love danishes. I didn't realize that that's basically all it is. You just put some freaking cream cheese in the middle of a puff pastry, and then you put it in the oven, boom, you got a, an awesome little breakfast thing. That was also my learning experience with this. I was okay. like, oh, and I'm like, well, I feel kind of dumb now that I, I could have <laughs> been doing this for, like, how long? Yeah, that's exactly and I what I And I just used a little pizza cutter, and I like it rolls out in a nice little sheet. And I kind of looked at the pictures of what they're sort of going for, and I'm like, oh, I can just cut it. And it just it cut like a dream. It you you pull it off, you put it on the pan. It, well, yeah, it was so easy. I imagine that actually like making the dough is probably time consuming. Yeah, so that light is and crispy. That is the part but, that's a lot harder, and I am okay yeah. with not doing that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and well, and Lily was was very kind. She uh, while I was at work, she uh, she caramelized the onions and and crisped up the bacon for me. Yeah, so like I didn't even have to do that. And after that, like it literally takes three minutes to just put together, and then you put it in the oven for fifteen, and you're done. And it's it is pretty delicious. I'm not gonna lie, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll I, save the, the full description and the ratings for the end, but suffice yeah. to say, I'm not disappointed. I couldn't, I, well, I guess what I was leading up to is I couldn't help but take a bite when it was, like, hot and fresh. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I made mine, like, last week, like I normally do, but I do have the beer in front of me today. And as I was making mine, I had to switch mine up a little bit because I had everything ready, 
And then because we got stuck in Indiana, I wasn't able to make everything right away. So right, then right. the bacon went bad. Oh, I'm no. like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, what goes good with onions and cheese? <laughs> and I was like, apples. That makes sense. Yeah. And <laughs> it actually was quite tasty. Okay. I was surprised with myself because I use like a sweet balsamic glaze to help like caramelize the onions and like give it more of mm. a sweetness. And mm-hmm. I used a sweet onion, so that helped too. And I was like, oh, this is, I don't think I would do this flavor combination again necessarily. I'm like, but I can see how the flavors generally come together. And I'm like, and bacon goes with like everything. So that would just make yeah. this better. Yeah, it's, I have to admit, um, when you when you first sent me those pics, I didn't quite know what was happening. And then you're like, I used apples. And I was like, somebody's going vegan or something. You, I assumed <laughs> you meant a swap. I was like, I thought uh, you like used that instead of the cheese or, no, or something. No, and, the but, cheese is very uh, much on there. Wow, instead of the bacon. Well, I must say... Uh, I can't even imagine what it must be like with apples. Although the right cheese and, and, you know, there's cream cheese in there and stuff. I imagine it was delicious. I do highly recommend giving it another go with the bacon because it is fantastic. That is my goal in the next few weeks. Although we're currently in Thanksgiving mode and preparing for all of our feasts. So I think after that, I will get everything for it again and have a second attempt. I might actually bring this to uh, maybe not Thanksgiving night, but I'm, when I go over to Dad and Mimi's, I might uh, I might bring the stuff and because I don't know what else I'm going to use the rest of the puff pastry for. So I'm like, may as well make it again. Yeah. Um, but I also forgot to mention the, the whole thing about like the blue cheese rant. Uh, I ended up using Gruyere. Good. I'm glad I that was, suggestion worked. It did. It really did. I, I was uh, I was glad you gave me a suggestion because otherwise I wouldn't have known what to do really, where to go with it. And it the instructions. I love it's good cheese. Well, so I'm really not much of a fan of Swiss and things that I've had with Swiss on there. It's okay, but I yeah honestly just can't get over the smell. It has such a strong odor it and a not a good smell. one. Yeah, and so when I opened the Gruyere and started slicing it, it has almost an identical smell. And it's not quite as strong, but I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. Yeah, The flavor profile's a little different, though, so I feel like it's it's a different cheese. No, it's... Honestly, it worked out fantastically. It because when it was cooking, it, there's something about like the the odor kind of dies down. Yeah. But but the flavor is still very present, and it mm-hmm. works perfectly with the onions and the and the bacon. It's oh my god, it was so good. I have to admit, it's it my my only. Com- yeah, it it worked out really well. So I appreciate the suggestion and the. Uh, Gonna have to start up in my my treat game, I guess, because <laughs> it it lo- it even just looks nice. Like that's a it goes together so well, and it's so picturesque. It turned out perfectly, like crisp and like golden brown. So, yes, I will post the recipe so anyone can follow along at home and make their own. Yeah, bacon and or with, no bacon? Bacon or no? Yeah, and well, we both ended up switching some things 
yeah. about it and it worked out anyways. So yeah. I think the next thing I might try to do with it, like especially now that I've discovered the simplicity of puff pastry, I might try to make like little pizza bite things because it would... That yeah, would be good and tasty. I also, yeah, I also wasn't expecting it to like hold its shape so well, but especially once yeah. it cools off a bit, it really, I cut them into like little triangles and it made a perfect little sort of pizza slice. So I bet it'd be good. I bet it'd be real good. I, I would say so. So Matt, what is our topic today? Okay, so today we are talking about the legendary, unbelievably skilled gentleman who goes by the name of Samuel Whitmore. Uh, to, to start off, I just wanted to say that I was a little leery about doing this. And I mean, like both uh, the idea of us swapping roles and also this story in particular, um, because uh, a lot of the things that I find interesting, um, I obviously know a lot about like through YouTube videos and other podcasts. Yeah. And so the idea to do this swap is from other podcasts. And, like, this topic I've heard other people cover. So I was a little worried about, like, it just feels like I'm copying other people and it felt kind of weird. But I finally came around to, like, allowing myself to do it, so to speak, just because I realized that a lot of the stories that we talk about, a lot of the stories that a lot of people learn to love and stuff, they get almost, a, like, a celebrity status as a story, like certain serial killers and, like, heists and the... um one that we talked about the the other case that was like closed the the man what's his name the the Summerton man thank you yeah I realized that like I learned about that kind of thing by watching dozens of other videos so it's like multiple people can cover the same topics yeah you bring your own flair to it exactly. it's fine yeah these these stories gain pro uh, prominence and people gain followers and stuff by be covering topics that other people are interested in. So with that in mind, I'm just going to say blatantly that without the dollop, I would likely never have even heard about this person because it's definitely the first place that I heard about him. And I would likely not be doing this specifically, like presenting the story. And uh, so I, I am honored to take the interest that they sparked in me and hopefully pass it on to new listeners. So Woo. hopefully I do it justice. And uh, with that, I will just say that I've got my sources here, an article from so Soft Rep. So frep, I don't know, .com by Steve Balestrieri, uh, uspatriotictacticla.com, allthingsliberty.com, an article by Katie Turner Getty, newenglandhistoricalsociety.com, founders.archives.gov, whatever a Google site is. Uh, I didn't know that these were a thing, but specifically sites.google.com slash site slash Whitmore Samuel Shunk. That's kind of weird. I don't know, I had a lot of good timeline stuff about him, but... Dang! Um, American-History.net, history.com, a decent amount of Wikipedia, and, of course, a huge nod, again, to the dollop. Um, not as much, in this case, for, like, inspiration, but it was a, really helped me kind of figure out certain bullet points that I wanted to hit. Um, and one final note, I would also like to point out that I am in no way a professional reporter or researcher or whatever, and this is meant to be an entertaining podcast with all of us hopefully learning some things along the way. But with yeah. that in mind, I just wanted to say that if I've made any grave errors, I apologize in advance. Please feel free to send comments and angry emails to correct me. Thank you. 
Yes, we are always happy to correct ourselves. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm also new to this side of the podcast, so I'm also I'm not sure how long this is going to end up being. I was going to text you and and see like how many pages you end up doing, like what your your um, spacing is. I ended up just going with a uh, normal space, and the default in Google Docs is eleven fonts. So yeah, we'll um, see. It depends on the episode. That is about what I can tell you because I've had. Anything ranging from like four pages to I've had a few that are eight to 12. Yeah. And it, it really just depends. Right. And I know that one that you had was you said was only like three and that ended up being a shorter episode, but it still yeah. ended up being like 40 minutes or something. So that's a decent length. I mean, I have a number of our little razzle dazzle. Well, that's the other thing. I'm like, as I was going back through it, I'm like, this feels like too many pages, maybe. I'm like, <laughs> we might fill in plenty of gaps, but we'll we'll go through it. We'll see how long it is, and we'll figure it out. Yeah, we will figure it out as we go, because that yeah. is what we do. That is what we do, yeah. And without any further ado, really long intro, I present to you the story of whom I think should be officially dubbed the most badass American in history, uh, a title that I used to reserve for a gentleman by the name of Hugh Glass. Also another dollop episode, really good. But An amazing can, episode. Oh, it's really good. We can talk more about him at another time. Uh, this is the life of one Samuel Whitmore. Ooh, um, I'm excited. <laughs> well, and to start off, it's interesting that I would say one Samuel Whitmore because he was actually the third of four Samuels in his family. He was oh born... He was born into a family with a father Samuel, a brother Samuel, and he had his own Samuel in the future. So he's like junior, junior, and then he had a kid, junior, junior, junior. Plus he had a brother, so I don't know if, like, can you have two juniors? That... I don't know how that works. Was one of them, like, Samuel E and then Samuel F. That's a good Or, like, question. did they I... go by middle names? Because that... I didn't find that what about his what brother. What would you name your child children the same names like i mean i understand well, when you have a lot of kids they like, right. they start to run together but like why well yeah i mean i know george foreman did that kind of thing and i don't think any of them were specifically junior so maybe you just i mean you, you don't even bother with it at that point if you're gonna have that many of them i mean vincent van gogh's parents did that but his brother also died before he was born Oh, okay. That was yeah. kind of weird. Well, so that's a lot of Samuels and a lot of people already, but his parents, Samuel and Hannah, uh, were recorded as having at least three sons and seven daughters. Oh. I didn't find yeah, I didn't find anything that was more specific. The 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 articles that I found used the words at least, and I'm like, how do you have at least? Like and then I wasn't sure if it at least applied to both the daughters and the sons, but Anyways, it's a lot of kids. Or is it that those are just the kids that survived? Well, that's what I was wondering, too. So, like, a certain age? You could be right, because I think um, I that is specifically why they have three and seven, is, like, those are the ones that they know at least made it, presumably, to, like, adolescence. Or but... at least, like, the age of five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One where they, they've developed their own uh, personality, and you can tell, like what kind of person they're going to grow into. And then they die because it's olden times and they needed a lot of kids to do farming and stuff. But And because, you know, kids 
died. They just, yeah, they just, they just died. did. Well, and he was actually one of the youngest siblings out of the kids. And uh, okay. while that wasn't particularly remarkable, what is is that his parents were pushing 50 when he was born. His mother was 44 and his father was 49. So especially wow. for a time in history when a, a lot of people barely made it past 40 and they're still having kids. And I think he had two sisters after. So like his dad would have been in his 50s when he had more kids. And that's... I mean, that's to have a, a child at 44 now is like okay. It's still, it would still okay. make the news. Like it's still kind of an yeah. odd thing. Well, because um, I mean, you only have so much time as a woman. Well, even if, like, even if she started having kids when she was, we'll just say her most prime time, whatever. Whatever age that was then. Even getting into your 40s, you've already had a de- basically, you know, a decade's worth of kids. Yeah. It just, I mean, at a certain point, you just be like, we're done. I think I'm, I'm done with this. It's, we're, don't I mean, me. we say this coming from a family where <laughs> there's eight children. Yes. And like, I mean, I don't even know what the age gap between your dad and Marsha is. But I know oh, between yeah. your dad and my mom, it's 10 years. So yeah. I, I just, I don't even know at that point. Yeah, that tradition of having a lot of kids really stuck around for quite a long time. It I did. mean, some people still do it. But yeah, the usual is is two to three these days. and It is. It's, yeah. That um, is typical. Indeed. He was born on July 7th of July uh, in uh, seven, eight, 1696. Um, there are some conflicting numbers. Some I saw some that said 1695, 1694, but uh, pre-1700s. And uh, that was in Charleston, Middlesex. <laughs> Middle. uh, I thought it was funny. Uh, Massachusetts Bay Colony of British America. Uh, British America. Indeed, the, the colonies. Yeah, that's what they call the them. Like, I don't know if I've ever heard it called British America. I have not. Um, and one thing that annoyed me about the dollop episode when I first listened to it, the the main uh, story reader guy, Dave, he specifies like, eh, not much happens in his early life until he's about 50, so we'll just jump to there. And I'm like, you're just going to cut out the whole like first half? You know, the when first if half I... Ever... Life didn't matter yeah. that. What the hell? Yeah, like, what the fuck? And I'm like, well, if I ever have the opportunity to do an episode, I'm going to do a whole thing. I'm going to tell his full out story. And I'm going to give a, a, a true telling of his full life. Um, and that time is here. My hubris has caught up with me. And I have to admit that there really does not seem to be much info in his <laughs> younger days. So I will I apologize. Do him justice. Yeah. <laughs> and he let me down and did nothing. Exactly. I, I apologize to the <laughs> listeners. I apologize to the dollop. Uh, I literally, pretty much every site that I found, every like source was just like, and not much is known about his early days, so let's just jump to the later 1700s. And it's like, wait, what? Nobody knows? How do we even know this is the right guy? He existed. The end. Mm-hmm. So there again, if I get anything wrong, if anyone has any more definitive info, please Anybody enlighten me. Anybody knows something. Hit us up. Yeah, and uh, to start off, uh, even his birthplace is, is uh, in contention. Interesting. Yeah, there are some sources that say he was born in England. Um, some claim, you know, like like here that he was born in Massachusetts. 
And some say that his origins can't officially be placed at all. Uh, but one of the sources I found actually had a record of colonial people in Massachusetts at the time um, that included the name Samuel Whitmore, born in the late 1600s. So I'm going to go with that. So for the purposes of our telling, he was born in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. Uh, regardless, it's fun to say. It is fun. I'm not sure that I ever want to go there, but it's fun to say. Actually, I've heard it's beautiful. I should visit should do more traveling in general. I will visit Tori there at some point. Oh, that's right. When I'm not poor. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, money. You son of a bitch. Yeah. yeah. So he's in Massachusetts. Right. Regardless of confusion over him starting as an American or as a Brit, uh, his date of birth doesn't seem to be disputed, other than not exactly the exact year but either way it means little sammy was born into a rather tumultuous time uh just shy of the yes. turn of the century with the early 1700s bringing about queen anne's war this occurs Ooh. when charles the second king of spain dies in 1700 uh he had no heirs and he left a vacant throne to be fought over which is of course what happens and it led to a large european war that eventually spread to north america although the war in yeah, and that seems to be a running theme that'll keep coming up. Like, Europe always has all these problems, and they're like, well, let's not fight on our own land. Let's go over there. Let's, let's fuck we up the new world. We don't need to fight here in our land and hurt all people. But let's take it across the pond. Please. We don't care about them anyway. Please only speak in accents from now on. Just forever. Like, we're going to talk about France and Spain. You switch it up however you feel. But I want to hear them all. That was I will do amazing. my best. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. Oh, my God. Okay, although the war included France and Spain, the fighting in America was between uh, the British and the French. This could have been uh, something that impacted little Samuel as the war came to a close during his adolescence in 1713. The British would ultimately win the conflict, resulting in a treaty with France. This gained them new territories and more power in the Americas. Of course... I mean, they always fight with each other, so are we surprised? Oh no. God, I know I had a lot of history classes, but I don't think I paid enough attention. I don't think I ever realized just... How many times it's France all and Britain, time. oh my God, just doesn't freaking stop. Even, we're not even going through that long of a time frame, like in this particular story, and it's, it's just back and forth like five times. It's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, this is colonial America, so more fighting is never far behind. As the Yama Sea War uh, starts up in 1715, Although Britain had won new territories from France, those territories were already, unsurprisingly, occupied by natives. And oh. these natives, yeah, yeah, who'd have thought? Yeah, you come to who a new world and... Who yeah, would have thought that? People already lived here. But of course, this is a, a similar kind of, not like manifest destiny necessarily, but the idea of like, well, what are these people doing here? This is our land. We have claimed it. You shouldn't be here. For the king. Mm-hmm. So you need to and just fuck right off, because this is ours. And here, here comes my French, here comes my French. Oui. Oui. 
Oui, <rire> c'est net. Oh, oh. Zizlan belongs <rire> to us. Yes! French is pretty fun. These it is natives, fun. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, these natives yeah, were... Roti language. It, it is a... Uh, it's fun to say. It is uh, fun to do. I like the sound of it. I like to play with the words. Uh, and as they say in America, anywho, uh, the, the natives were none too happy about their newest occupiers and immediately, no went, to war. Yeah, they immediately went to war with uh, South Carolina colonists led by the Yamasee tribe, hence the name. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm doing my best. You can only do your best. <laughs> well, and I didn't bother to look it up, so there you go. <laughs> I didn't Just look thinking... it up, so that's thinking... it. Yeah, thinking just now I probably could have done that, but uh, I'm going to assume it's spelled relatively phonetically, so we'll just move on. Um, although the natives destroyed multiple settlements and many British, they sadly lost the overall war by 1717. So it's a relatively Aww. short war. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is where I go all dollop on this fucking thing, because, of course, more war broke out in 1722, 1725, 1729, so on and so forth. I'm going to yada, yada, yada over a, a little bit of it. Be, by now, we get the picture of how British rule went. It's nothing but a bunch of battles. And this leads them going to a bunch of debt, but, you know, they're, they're maintaining their colonies, they're expanding, they're getting more land. Yeah. This is when our good old boy Samuel Whitmore really hits the scene. Uh, and yeah. I, really love, yeah, I really love how Google, the, the Google site I found says it, quote, King George's War from 1744 to 1748, also known as the War of Austrian Succession, marked the unleashing of Samuel Whitmore onto North America. Whether he was he's unleashed, I love like it, yeah. he's just like some wild animal, just like left out into the open. Yeah. They're like, We got this nice little secret weapon over here. We're just gonna open the door. I and imagine. There he goes. Oh, look, there he goes. Oh, <laughs> oh boy, he's scurrying. Uh, he's not supposed to scurry. What? Get him back here. Oh, I'm gonna go. Pick no, no, why did he take? Why is he naked? Do not oh, you know, that's just that's yeah. just what those Americans do. We don't really know. I do like the idea though of him just being like caged in a little <laughs> or like chained up in a little cage and they're like He's like locked in someone's basement somewhere. Release the Whitmore. And there he goes, and he just goes and Release the Whitmore. Release him. I don't know what I was going to like release the Whitmore. Release him! <laughs> The stupid thing is I was going for French, and when I started with release, I was like, that's not, I'm not going French. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to roll with it. Fuck it. It's too late now. Yeah. Uh, he would eventually make the rank of captain among his majesty's dragoons. These were also called mounted infantry, which are not to be confused with the usual cavalry. Uh, although they did ride horses, um, but they neither had the better weapons of uh, foot soldiers, like regular infantry, nor the better horses of cavalry, uh, not to mention the armor of cavalry, so they were just kind of shit. Um, but through... They're like the sea list of 
the military. I gonna do like, put this we, here, but we don't <clears throat> want to spend our resources on like our really great people, so we're gonna send in like the leftovers. No, I, I I didn't put this in here, but they literally even had different like ranks of just the the dragoons, the mounted infantry, oh. because like. If you were really good as a foot soldier, you got to ride a horse, but you weren't cavalry yet. So they had like a lower tier. Yeah, a lower tier, a mid tier, and then a high tier. Because if you were cavalry and you were bad, you would get demoted. But they're not just going to throw you into the lowly fucking infantry. No, no, no. no. You get your horse. We're going to give you a crappier gun. Maybe not even a gun. Um, they didn't, I didn't find anything that specified what the early dragoons had, but yeah, it was weird. There were just, it was just sort of a weird middle ground of like, well, show us what you can do on a horse and then maybe you'll get to be the cavalry. Uh, You, you suck as cavalry. Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's like the, the tier list of like baseball teams. So it's like, you're going to go down to double A and you're going to. We'll see what you can do. We're we're gonna bring you up from infantry, and we're gonna we're gonna put you in double A and see how you do. If you do good, we're gonna bring you up to the big game. You're gonna get a sweet ass horse, a gun. We gave you a gun. Good luck. Yeah, I do like the because they're gonna. I couldn't. I didn't find anything that specified what the difference was in equipment between the infantry and the cavalry, like the steps that it was. But I just imagine that they're like, okay. Infantry, get on that horse. Oh, you can't hold that gun? Well, here's a pistol. It sort of works. It's not going to be as accurate, but, you know, if you, we'll just get used to shooting from a horse, and then you can figure it out. Oh, you're doing pretty good. Here's, here's an actual musket. Now you're in the cavalry. And it, I can imagine it would be confusing. Just, like, trying to work your way up. Yeah. Legs, but, I feel uh, like they had some variation of a musket. But I also Something know like that. very little about guns, so I am not the person well, to ask. Well, that's why I wish I could have found it, because I, I imagine they used what uh, is called a blunderbuss, kind of the uh, the shotgun of the age with a giant fucking, like, cannon barrel, essentially. Oh, damn. And they would just stuff it full of shit, so you didn't even have to aim. So I imagine that, like, if you were just in the shoot. cavalry... Yeah, yeah, just go out there and have fun. Just, just yeah. you know... You know, yeah, the cavalry, you have to train, but the fucking mountain infantry, they just fucking go whatever, do whatever they want. <laughs> um, eventually, the Swedish would outfit their mounted infantry and, and this kind of spread throughout the world. They gave them a saber and a matchlock match lock musket. What? I don't know if that is any better than, like, a flintlock musket or a flintlock pistol kind of design. Mm-hmm. But that's what it said, and uh, the Dragoons would eventually become elite units in the British Army, and this yeah. is the group to which Samuel belonged. And Dragoon is just a cool uh, fucking name. I mean, it's just... It is. I so am fun. most familiar with Dragoons from watching Outlander. And that's no about shit! Yeah! Oh! I gotta watch that show. It's been in my Netflix queue, like, for forever. The it only... is good. I that is what I've heard. Um, and it's it's gone strong for a number of years. So, like, a show usually doesn't last all that long if it's not at least a little good. I think they for sure have eight seasons. They haven't recorded oh, all shit. of them, but they signed on for eight. 
Holy shit, that's a lot. I, that's even. I thought it was like four or five. God damn. No, they get caught up. I think they recently finished filming the seventh, and they're gonna start the eighth soon. I okay. Think. Well, I do like having a show to binge. That's what, like, when I became a oh. fan of Supernatural, they were already on like season twelve, I think. And I felt kind of like a poser for for like discovering them literally a decade after they were created. And then a buddy of mine was like, well, you watched from episode one, didn't you? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, then you're a fan. Fuck it. It's not like you started in the middle and just said, now I love Supernatural. It's like you, you put yeah. the time and you watched all of it. I'm like, you're right. I did. I that's did. What, yeah, that's what binging TV is for. I watched 10 seasons yeah. of Friends in a month. So that's there the same as watching all of them <laughs> broadcast live. <laughs> it uh, the, yeah, the only dragoons I know of is from Final Fantasy IV, and it was oh. a very different thing. He wore armor and he yeah. had a spear and he would jump. So it was like he was sort oh. of like a drag. I don't know where the term dragoon comes from. I also did not look that up, but it's a cool name. It is a cool name. Um, in 1745, Samuel, as part of the dragoons, ended up in a siege on the fortress of Louisbourg. Uh, Samuel led a group of dragoons in a charge on the shores of Nova Scotia against the French. Uh, There's no record of what actually happened when he was inside the fortress, but this is the first (laughs) sign of his almost hilariously badass nature, as he would eventually appear bearing an ornately adorned French saber. Uh, Anyone asking him about it would simply be told by him that the prior wielder of the sword had, quote, died suddenly. And well, so he... you never know with the French. Excuse me, sir. Is that your sword? Uh, could you die, please? I would like to. Uh, I would like to take the sword. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, I like your sword. Yeah. He charges into a battle. I imagine among smoke and flames and dramatic oh, cannon yeah. fire. Yeah. And when he comes out, it's just like no big deal. Yeah, I got this sick ass sword. It's the damnedest thing, too. Dude, dude just killed Where's over. Souvenir. Fucking weird, right? Yeah. It's fucking weird. That guy just died. I'm going to take it. I mean, I'm not just going to. I'm going to take it. If the guy dies, yeah. I'm going to take his thing. He's dead now, so it's mine. Yeah, I didn't do anything. He's dead. It's fine. He just died, and I'm, I'm going to take it. Um, Britain had seemingly tired of endless battle at this point and turned to more monetary actions, passing the Iron Act in 1750. It removed What is ta- that? Yeah, it sounds so cool. Um, it sounds... Either like an iron fist in like a bad way yeah. or something really cool. And I'm leaning towards this maybe kind of sucked. It's so boring. It's a tassel. <laughs> in the, in the, yeah, in the most British move ever, they get the coolest sounding act of all time. And it just removed taxes on American exports of iron to Britain. It's all. Oh. Yeah, it's like if it's like if you're in the military and something's named Operation Phoenix, and it just changes the way like classify uh, classification of documents works. That's <laughs> it, and it's like oh, you're like this is life changing. It's done. Yeah. It's gonna change the world. Operation like, Phoenix. Is it? Uh... And it, it's just some. It's a bunch of nerds in a boardroom who are just like, so we're going with Operation Phoenix, right? I mean. I guess so. We're just shredding. We're just shredding and taping back together shredded documents. It's, I mean, we're not even using actual fire. So it's like this person shredded everything when they left. So your job is to 
get all the pieces and put it back together. And they're like, Operation Phoenix, you got it. And you're like, exactly. Sure. Yeah, but you didn't burn it before. It's not like it's rising from the ash. Shut up, dude, don't ruin this for me. This is the first op- operation I get to fucking name. Yeah. I'm calling it Operation Phoenix. Oh, man. Dude, we're not even moving offices. This isn't even a real operation. We're, no one's going to ever read that you like, called it. We're in the conference room. And they're like, yeah. let me have this. Let me have this, Janet. <laughs> Like, yeah, like, he thinks they're in, like, a military zone. It's like, no, you guys, you're in frickin' D.C., just in a conference room. Whatever Operation Phoenix. Cool. Whatever. So, yeah. Iron Act. <laughs> it, it, uh, yeah. So, normally the Fine. British would pay a certain amount for importing it, uh, and now they don't pay shit. And yeah. it restricted American colonies from actually using any of the iron themselves and forced them to send it back to Britain in its raw form. So they're literally just like, oh, give it. Yeah, don't touch it. Don't touch it. You got it out of the ground. Cool, cool. Don't do any. Don't refine it. Don't you do any. Just give it to us. It's fine. Like, oh, I, I see it. You found something over that. That's mine now. Just, <laughs> just hand it over. Dibs. No, dibs. you're not getting anything for it, but it's mine. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, you don't so, get paid for it. Um, Come on now. Yeah, you. This actually marks the beginning of several taxations that would anger the Americans into revolution, and you can kind uh-huh. of see why. Because like, if they did this once, you'd be like, "Well, you like this is at the point where they yeah. still sort of see themselves as colonists and like they see British citizens, as right? More <laughs> than like an entirely different thing. Well, we do want to help the motherland, so I. Here you I are. I guess it's fine. Thank you, I'll take that. Oh, mommy, see what I got from the Americans. <laughs> Just like, wait, was that special? What could I got from the colonies? I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I love it. I'm going to go frolic in the field again. Who let him out of his cage? Um, surprisingly. No, they don't know. They don't know. <laughs> he just keeps getting out. And they're like, fucking put him back. God damn it. He got out again. No, no, don't, don't pee on the love seat. Oh, god damn it. He's peeing everywhere. <laughs> Uh, they fixed. do that. Jesus. They do, they do, do that. They just fucking <laughs> fuck things. Yeah, yeah, right out of the gate. They just can't help themselves. Fucking little bastards. Um, so, surprising absolutely no one, after their first, I, I think it ended up being like, no, not even a decade, a few years, um, Britain decides it wants more war. And more than that, <laughs> they want more war with the French. Uh, 1754 brings with it the French and Indian War. It officially began at the Battle of Jumonville Glen, or Jumonville Glen, I don't know. Probably a French name. Anyways, this is where a young George Washington would join with a group of Virginia militiamen to ambush a French patrol. And after so many years of back and forth conflict, it would seem that this is the final, this would be the final engagement. Like this war, both sides have concluded that the other one must go. Like, one of them is just going to get America. This is going to be it. Yeah. Um, and although the French would win many initial victories, the British would once again eventually prove victorious. Their downfall may have been in 1757 as they fended off a new assault by the British on the same fortress of Louisbourg. Uh, oh, and seeing, seeing the initial British defeat, Samuel decided to rejoin the ranks of the crown. In uh, ah. 17... Yeah, he's back, baby. Took a few years off. He's back to crush Louisburg. Uh, In 1758, the British returned again. So if I'm not mistaken, this is the third time they're sieging the fortress. 
but this time yeah. was significantly more successful. Under oh. Commander James Wolfe, Sammy charged into battle once again, wielding the very saber he claimed from the same fortress from which it was retrieved before, and huh. forced the French to surrender finally. Um, wow. I can't, yeah, I can't necessarily say that Whitmore single-handedly changed the course of the war, but Britain was doing bad before him, and after they got Sammy involved, they're doing great. So I'd like to yeah. think that he essentially pushed back the French by himself. I agree with that. I think that's a great assumption. Yeah, it's, it's just the beginning of his legend. I'm building, you know, I'm painting a story of this epic figure. So I'm, yes. I'm assuming he just went in there just swinging that fucking thing around. And the French were like, we can't, we can't take. No, I went German again. <laughs> v Gates. <laughs> More like, oh, sacré bleu. There you go. Thank you. What are they the doing? American. You see that? The glint off of that saber. It is so bright. It almost looks... <gasps> Could it be? Something? <laughs> it is French. Oh, no. We cannot be defeated by our own saber. God damn it. I went German again. <laughs> I started French and then I started German. <laughs> <laughs> I was really not trying to do that. C'est tragique. Incroyable. I'm going to leave the French to you. Um, <laughs> the, the, the fortress was an incredibly strategic outpost, good for launching attacks. It was an active mm -hmm. harbor, and losing it spelled the end for the French in Canada. The British eventually moved Whoa. on to Quebec to win the war, and with the Treaty of Paris, the French would be forever expelled from the land. Au revoir. Oh, I did it! I did it! Au revoir. <laughs> Zou, we'll be back. Uh... Adios? That's not French. No, that New that is Spanish. They're even taking our language from us. Oh, oh no. It's an outrage. Um, the British were so goddamn dumb with that, or done with that fucking fortress. They wanted to ensure that another siege would never be possible. And how oh. would they do that, you might ask? Burn it oh, down. By, <laughs> by completely destroying it. Uh, <laughs> They, yeah, they ordered to have it, it completely it destroyed. Yeah, Whitmore reportedly stayed on to help with the destruction, and he wouldn't leave Damn. until it was utterly gone. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh god, it. Uh, I like to. I, I I like to envision that he was just sitting in like a lawn chair with sunglasses on, drinking like a mai tai or something, and just like. Yeah. I know that none of this is like time, like period correct, but. He's like smoking a big cigar and then and then like a wrecking ball comes through and just like destroys one wall and he just starts laughing. He's laughing so hard he's spilling his drink. But uh <laughs> you know. Yeah. It can be anachronistic and and still be a fun image. I like to think of it as mummy, mummy. Mummy fortress and I don't want them to have it. <laughs> mummy, mummy do something. From his little cage, he has the one little slat that he opens up and he goes, Mummy, mummy there. Mummy. Can I come mummy. out to destroy, the, to destroy the castle, mummy? I want to burn it down, mummy. <laughs> that is what okay. I think of. It's like a child being like, yeah. upset that someone else had it and they're like, well, I don't want anyone to have it. I like that yours is more posh, like like the just pompous, like private school dickhead, like, Mummy, 
Please, mummy. If, if I can't have it, then nobody can, mummy. But just, you know, channel Draco Malfoy. Daddy. Uh, daddy. Well, my daddy says well, that you're my father hears about this. You're own. My father hears about this. You bloody muggles. It well, is, I do have a very posh accent, that is true. It's a, it, it works perfectly. Um, so you would hope that after destroying an entire fortress, that this would lead to a certain era of peace in the area. But as we have learned, as All is right. their custom, the British continued into more conflict. Yep. Not necessarily their fault, as apparently the natives much preferred the presence of the French and were not super excited that the British completely removed oh, them. Man. Yeah, they were pretty Could cordial. Could you imagine and... that being like, God damn, like, I maybe thought this would have been a good change, but I changed my mind. It, I prefer like, the French. It's like if you've ever had an apartment where the landlord sells the building and oh. you're not like super happy about having to pay rent every month and like your money feels like it's just going down the drain. You're pay- but it's like you like your landlord. They, sometimes yeah. they let you pay late without like a fee or anything. You know, you're down on your luck and they're understanding. They're, they're an individual. You can chat with them. They're cool. And then they sell it to some like big organization and everything just goes to shit. Yeah. And, uh, I feel like that's what this was. They're like, well, we like the French. They talk weird. We like them. I don't know why I'm suddenly doing French again for, like, natives, but that wasn't really meant to. Anyway, uh, this led to a united group of tribes to rage against the British in May of 1763 in what would be called Pontiac's Rebellion, named for the Ottawa tribe leader. Um, And again... Yeah, and again, as is their custom, they're nothing if not consistent. The British started off losing uh, pretty handily. They lost oh. eight. Yeah, they lost eight forts to the natives, but managed to rally again to quell the uprising. They would oh, enter dear. into yeah, they would enter into peace negoci- negotiations that would last for two years. <laughs> which two years I, is so long. Yeah, I had the same reaction when I read that, and I, I looked up another. Uh, Another, like, source, just to be sure, because I'm like, even by communication standards back then, like, two years seems like a lot. That is a I, long time. I mean, Damn. yeah, two years of just... And I didn't look into the details of, like, how often they would, like, go back and forth or when they would meet up or whatever, but still two years. Um, but it kind of makes sense because they never really calmed down. Uh, fighting would break out again. Um, after this two years. However, the British would employ one of the first recorded moments of truly atrocious genocidal tendencies oh, as dear. they offered native uh, blankets as a, quote, gift. Um, sort of not are really these a the ceasefire. smallpox blankets? They are, in fact, the blankets that were infected with smallpox. And uh, from what yeah. I've found, not the only time that they've done it, but this is the yeah. first time. <laughs> so, uh, great legacy. Cool. I love it. Um, Well, and for anyone who's looked into this even a little bit, uh, the the biggest part is that it wasn't just that it was a sneaky way of doing away with their their, uh, opposition, like, fighters. It would slowly spread through North American tribes across the entire continent, wiping out vast numbers of, of, you know, of all tribes. So it's, it's not just that, like, this was a sneaky way to get rid of this one group that they're fighting. They killed a I mean, lot it, of people. It, yeah. And well, and that's why genocide fits the bill here. Like they they maybe weren't even intending to do that, but that was the result regardless. I mean, it's Yeah. It's truly fucked up. It um, is. 
It really is. Yeah. To my knowledge, uh, Samuel Whitmore wasn't a part of that, but okay. he would again take up his sab- saber and musket to fight for the uh, to fight the natives for King George uh, again. It was during this time, in a heated close quarters fight, he had to resort to hand-to-hand combat. And whether he was out of ammunition or his equipment failed uh, to function is unknown, but he emerged from the, sc- uh, from the scrap carrying two beautifully uh, ornate dueling pistols. The opposing oh. officer who owned the pistols was said to again have, quote, died suddenly. So everywhere he I goes... suddenly because yeah. I stabbed him. <laughs> Yeah, boy, boy, what happened in there, Samuel? You dropped your rifle? Well, you, you pulled out your sword, then you came out from behind that tree, and you had two, two pistols. Where'd you get those? Oh, it's the funniest fucking thing, guys. They just keep dying. He just died suddenly. And they have all I these cool know. things, yeah. Uh, in a strange twist, King George issued the Royal Proclamation of 1763, meant to protect the native population. So after all this oh. genocide, yeah... Um, this required uh, colonists to settle on lands uh, to not settle on lands west of the Appalachians, and this angered the colonists, as the Iron Act had. So it's yet another ah. step towards revolution. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, we get to the famous Stamp Act, which compounded all of those frustrations. It was taxation levied uh, on American colonists directly from British Parliament. It was enacted in an attempt for Britain to climb out of debt, resulting from the preceding Seven Years' War. Uh, this, of course, raised the almost infamous American battle cry of no taxation without representation, as the colonists saw this as unconstitutional. What a lot of people may not know, however, including myself, I, again, I, I know I took history classes, I don't remember quite all these details, but uh, it was also led to British authorities uh, convicting violators without a jury. So not only were they being taxed against their will, uh, they were having due process revoked, and that's going to piss some people off. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize they had done that either. Yeah, I I, uh, was pretty surprised. I didn't realize how significant the Stamp Act actually was. And I also didn't realize the significance of it being a direct tax rather than, like, a local tax. So it wasn't something worked out between, like, the Crown and local magistrates, and they were like... We're going to do so much on this, and you guys mm-hmm. will just tax it there and whatever. Um, but it even involved, like, royal or officers of the royal court. So it was new oh. people coming into the area and saying, you have to pay for this. And so yeah, it was, it was on, apparently, well, and I don't know why I thought it was on a stamp. But it was for, like, anything. Uh, a tax collector would come for any kind of, like, printed material, including deeds, wills, newspapers, and even playing cards. That is why people would put marriage licenses on, like, shovels, because it wasn't paper. And it wasn't, like, written. Technically. Son of a bitch. I know. That's kind of... I never realized that. That's kind of brilliant, now that you mention yeah. it. <laughs> huh. Well, damned. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so it it spread it like led to more widespread awareness of the taxation because they were fucking taxing everything, um, yeah. and even more ire at the crown. And this would, of course, lead to the Revolutionary War. And it's weird to think that Britain may have been able to avoid an uprising if they just not even like if they didn't levy the taxes if they just taxed differently. Yeah, um, and of course, giving people a, a jury of their peers. But um. 
they didn't. And here we they are. That. And here yeah. we are today. Yeah. Um, although Parliament did repeal the act uh, the next year in 1766, the seeds of dissent had already been sown. As part of a committee to air grievances uh, to representatives of the crown, Whitmore was actually elected to a seat of said committee. This would begin Ooh. a sort of dalliance that he would have uh, with politics for the next decade. He, he didn't really rise to any real prominence or any like specific role, but he would be found like speaking for the people in various times. Um, That's pretty cool. And during this time, the Tea Act would be announced and the Boston Tea Party would be held. Um, pretty Ooh. much starting the revolution. Um, he yeah. may have even held company of uh, with with men le- with the likes of Dr. Joseph Warren, Josiah Quincy Jr., James Otis Jr., and one Samuel Adams. Thank you for the beer, sir. It's very good. I like it. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he created the beer, but I think they did it's brew good. beer. I think they did. I'm not 100 percent sure though. I'm not. I'm going to go with it. It's not known if Whitmore was a committee member, like amongst them, but history shows that his voice would have been undoubtedly formidable if he were among them. Uh, in yeah. fact, years prior, he proved his mental metal uh, in debate. Uh oh, I just fucked up my page. Oh no! I hit a button, and that was a mistake. Here we are. It happens. It is. Um, he would prove his mettle in debate was just as capable as it was in battle when a man named John Vassal sued him for defamation. Uh, oh. The good Mr. Vassal had been in a heated political race for the position of selectman for Cambridge. Whatever the hell that was, I did not I don't up. know what that yeah. is. My favorite part is that at some point uh, there was a bit on the man show in like... 99 or something where they did a they were just trying to like make fun of people not paying attention to politics or something and he's they went around doing like a door-to-door like camera bit about him running for district selectman and it was just such a perfectly generic name that it's like oh yeah people won't even give a shit about what it is they'll they'll just be like they'll either like you or not yeah. And so I, was, I had a little bit of a chuckle when I read this, and I'm like, wait, Selectman was an actual thing at one time? I'm like... That was a real job? That is just how boring people were. Like, that. I am wow. going to be the Selectman. Yeah? Yes. Uh, Vassal did manage to secure the office, but was apparently hurt greatly when later oh. he was loudly declared by Whitmore to be, quote, unfit for said trust and was no more fit than the horse that he, Samuel, rode in on. Which may or may not be the origin of that. Yeah, especially for back then. You are no more fit than my horse. Uh, Vassal was so hurt, in fact, he had Whitmore promptly jailed and brought a lawsuit against him, uh, stating the harsh words had brought him to be, quote, in great contempt and much despised by the king's subjects, as well as by inhabitants of the town. Unfortunately for... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. he's not wrong. People are, you know, gave him a... It was defamation. Uh, Unfortunately for Vassal, the court was not convinced that Whitmore had done any harm to his standing, and Whitmore actually won his freedom in a heated trial while acting as his own attorney. Oh, okay. The one time it works. Exactly. That's what I love about the story. It's just like, wait a minute. So usually that's set up as like, like right before a punchline of obviously they're an idiot. 
because they decided to defend themselves. Yeah. But he freaking wins. And after that wow. victory, he launches a countersuit to Vassal, arguing his imprisonment to be unjust and causing yeah. him undue harm. So like him being in, so. yeah, like him being imprisoned prevented him from running his businesses, you know, uh, doing whatever he does, farming. Uh, um, so it's like, yeah, so it's like, yeah, I, I won my my right to not be jailed in court, but you had already jailed me, so that's bullshit. I'm gonna sue your ass. The court ends up agreeing with Whitmore and awards him the equivalent of six thousand dollars. So he gets right. jailed for calling this dude a douchebag and ends up getting six grand. Which is, uh, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. So how does that make you feel about our boy Sammy? You know, I would say I feel like he's got a lot going, th- going for him. Yeah, he's a hell of a fighter, both with weapons and words. Yes, and I appreciate all of it. Me too. Um, he had lived such a long life fighting for his king, but after Pontiac's war, Whitmore had returned home and tended to his endless chores on the farm. He also became interested in the prospect of the 13 colonies gaining independence from Britain. He believed that his descendants should have their own country, be able to enact their own laws, and not be subject to the whims of a distant king and government. So even though he had spent his life fighting for the king, like... Obviously, many colonists, yeah. he became disillusioned and was like, I want to have my own country now. I don't um, want to deal with this bullshit. Uh, now, the next part I was debating about how to present, um, because there's an official account, uh, but I wanted to put it into my own words. But okay. reading certain articles and even going back and listening to the dollop, um, I heard how much of this part he actually used directly from this thing. So I figured I would read it uh, pre- as it was presented in the original document. This is by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts uh, telling his final story as they recorded it officially. All um, right. Yeah, so the following is an excerpt modified in certain parts just for better flow. I removed certain things because it kind of goes back and forth. Anyways, um, yeah. this is from the official proclamation of 2005, officially naming Samuel Whitmore as the state hero of Massachusetts. Ooh. Um, which I also didn't know was a thing. I didn't know that learned, was a thing. Yeah, as we learned in the Delphi Update episode last time, states can name pretty much anything they want. So, much like uh, Indiana having a state drink of water, the state hero of Massachusetts is none other than Samuel Whitmore. So, on April 19th, 1775, approximately 1,800 British troops marched from Boston to Concord, to capture a reported store of colonial munitions and hopefully bag such advocates of rebellion as John Hancock and Sam Adams. He pops up again. At Lexington Green, they were confronted by about 50 haphazardly garbed militiamen carrying a variety of weapons and some decades old, uh, some manufactured by village blacksmiths and gunsmiths, some as modern uh, as the guns carried by the Redcoats themselves, but they were all in working order and capable of killing. Uh, when ordered to disperse, the Minutemen did not obey, and firing began that resulted in eight Americans killed. The rest Ooh. very hastily left the scene as ordered by their officers. The British then reformed their ranks and continued uh, marching to Concord. On their arrival in Concord, uh, where alerted citizens watched their every move, the British troops searched for but did not locate any of the munitions which were cleverly concealed in a variety of ingenious hiding places. Hancock and Adams were already miles away, fully aware of the British column, thanks to Paul Revere and his assistants. 
learning that the Minutemen were swarming toward them from as far away as Warchester, uh, and realizing that the munitions were uh, too well secreted to be found without a lengthy search, the British began an orderly retreat toward Boston. Soon, guerrilla bands were firing from the woods and stone walls at their beleaguered marching troops. As British casualties increased, their ranks became somewhat disorganized. The Americans then struck even harder at their hated red-coated foes. While all that excitement was going on, an 80-year-old farmer, one Samuel Whitmore, was placidly working in his fields at Menotomy, now Arlington, Massachusetts. He knew nothing of the British invasion or the deaths at Lexington. Whitmore somehow learned about the British action, though, uh, at Lexington on April 19th, probably from the sound of distant gunfire that alerted him uh, as an aged warrior, and he immediately stopped working and hastened to his house. There, before the eyes of his astonished family, Sam methodically loaded his musket and both of his famed dueling pistols, put his powders and ball, put his powder and ball inside his worn, well-traveled military knapsack, strapped his French saber around his waist, squared his grizzled jaw, and as he strode briskly out the door, simply informed his worried family that he was, quote, going to fight the British regulars, told them to stay, remain, uh, to remain safely indoors until he returned. Uh, Whitmore walked to a secluded position behind a stone wall on Mystic Street near the corner of what is now Chestnut Street in Arlington, and calmly settled in. Some of the Minutemen pleaded with Whitmore to join them in their safer positions, but he ignored their ad admonitions. Soon the 47th Regiment of Foot, followed by the main body of British troops, appeared in view. On both sides of Whitmore, Minutemen were shooting at the approaching Redcoats, and then Ooh. sprinting away where they could reload in safety. But not Samuel. No, not Ooh. Samuel. Waiting until the regiment was almost upon him, Whitmore stood up, aimed his musket carefully, and fired, killing a British soldier right on the spot. He then Ooh. dropped the musket, because of course now it's effectively worthless. He's standing in front of an entire regiment. So they take a long time to reload. He doesn't have time. To... Anyways. Yeah. He drew his pair of dueling pistols, firing into the crowd of men, hitting two targets, killing one man outright and mortally wounding another. Ooh. Of course, not having time to reload his cumbersome weapons, he grabs his French saber and begins flailing away at the cursing and raged redcoats who now surrounded him. <laughs> so he takes he on is, an like just not stopping. Yeah. He doesn't care. He doesn't shit. Uh, some of those infuriated soldiers were probably less than one quarter his age. Oh, so man. He now? He's just an old man just, like, coming out from nowhere and being like, fuck you. <laughs> Did you kind of take a guess at how old he is at this point? I said he was 80-something earlier, so I'm going to guess oh, 83. <laughs> he was 80. Oh, just 80. Okay. Yeah. Um... They were one, uh, yeah, uh, soldiers were probably less than one quarter his age. Few, if any, were even half his age. One Englishman Man. fired his brown bess almost point blank into Whitmore's face, the heavy bullet tearing half his cheek away and knocking him flat on his back. Undaunted, Whitmore attempted to rise and continue the fight, but received no, <laughs> like, I can just imagine that, like, if one of your dudes shot a guy in the face yeah. and he didn't just instantly die. I can't imagine how I would react. Like, even if I was surrounded yeah. by other men, like, I would be freaking the fuck out. But they yeah, uh, apparently... I would be oh, like, what? 
Yeah, he like a fucking Terminator or a zombie. It's like, the guy just won't fucking die. He doesn't stop. He, he doesn't sleep. He doesn't eat. He absolutely will not stop. What? Damn, that is... Gabriel just got home, so the dog's going to bark for a hot minute. Because she has to protect this house, and I'll be yeah. damned if she doesn't. From, from the people her, that she, yeah, from the people that she knows. Yes, she must protect herself from Gabriel. Our little dog Thanos does the same thing. Like no matter what oh. sound it is, he's like, "Danger! Danger! Danger!" I mean, if they just needed a dog to protect them from Samuel Whitmore at this point, yeah. maybe that would have alerted them. But you know, it's too damn late. Yeah, if they had something that could attack him while he was prone on the ground after being shot in the face, tearing away half his cheek. Oh god. Oh. So he attempts to keeps him down. No, he attempts to rise. Well, okay, something keeps him down. He attempts to rise and continue the fight and receives no less than thirteen bayonet wounds from the vengeful redcoats. He also mercilessly clubbed his bleeding head and drove their musket butts into his body as they ran by. So they're now retreating from an old man they are so (laughs) terrified of that they're stabbing and beating to death as they run. They're so afraid of this old man. And how would you not be? (laughs) He kills three dudes in like 10 seconds and then pulls his sword and just goes at them. When the last British soldier had left the scene and was far enough away for them to come out in safety, the villagers who had seen Whitmore's last stand walked slowly toward the body. I mean, obviously, they want to see what's left of this guy and his remains. Yeah. Like, he's probably just like a puddle. Uh, To their astonishment, he was still alive and conscious and still full of fight. Ignoring his wounds, he was uh, feebly trying to load his musket for a parting shot at the retreating regiment. A door was used uh, as a makeshift stretcher, and Whitmore was carried to the nearby Cooper Tavern. Dr. Nathaniel Tufts of Medford stripped away Sam's torn, bloody clothes and was aghast at his many gaping bayonet wounds. Uh, The other numerous bruises and lacerations and his horrible facial injury. According to every medical text he had ever studied and all of his years of experience treating injured people, the old man was going to bleed to death from internal injuries. Tufts sadly remarked that it was useless to even dress so many wounds since Whitmore could not possibly survive for very long. The The deep bayonet thrusts must have pierced many of his vital organs. The horrified bystanders, however, pleaded with him and persuaded the reluctant doctor to do his best, and he bandaged up Whitmore. He did what he could with the frightful facial wound in an age when plastic surgery wasn't even a thing. It was unknown to them at the time. When the bandaging was finally finished, old Sam was tenderly carried back to his home to die surrounded by his grieving family. But to the surprise of everyone, indomitable Captain Samuel Whitmore lived on. He continued. No. Yeah. What? He continued. He continued active for the next eighteen years, finally dying on February third, seventeen ninety-three. Ninety-eight. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. And very proud he had done his part and more in America's fight for independence. 
when he had when asked right which i still think is hilarious because like he was a red coat like he fought for the british yeah. so many times and it just came down to like i'm sick of this shit i'm gonna fight for my own land and my own country i'm not talking like you motherfuckers no more i'm gonna talk like an american we're still figuring out what that sounds like. I'm kind of doing multiple Ooh. accents. Wow. Now I feel like I'm from Georgia. Oh, Lord. When asked if he ever regretted his heroic deed, which had left him so no. disfigured no, and somewhat like... Yeah. <laughs> Tell you that right now. The answer is no. He would proudly reply in ringing tones, No! I would take the same chance again! One might question Captain Whitmore's tactical military skill and his judgment in his last battle, but certainly not his sheer courage and bravery. As a young man, yeah. Sam built his own home, which he and his wife Elizabeth filled with three sons and five daughters. So that's just how it was back then. The Whitmore home still exists on Massachusetts Avenue in Arlington. Wow. Someday I'm gonna go visit it. Someday. Someday. Somehow. Yeah, that's a song, I think. So that is the story of Samuel Whitmore. Wow. He's a crazy motherfucker. Yeah. He would not fucking die. He's basically Doctor Who. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to have something like that where, like, literally everyone's like, yeah, no, like, you're gonna die from this. Like, there's literally nothing we can do to help you. Mm -hmm. For him to then live another 18 years. Yeah, and I, I, I don't mean to badmouth um, Hugh Glass, but when you compare the two stories, ultimately Hugh's act of, like, badassery amounts to surviving being mauled by a bear and then crawling, admittedly a lot, because he ends up crawling and walking, like, 400 miles or something. Yeah, um, and to be fair, most people today... Do not survive being attacked by bears. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm not trying. Yeah, I'm not trying to say that that is by any means not an achievement. And he was effectively very- dead for like a week. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, dude gets shot in the face, stabbed over at yeah. least thirteen times, and still tries to reload his musket. And that's after being already in multiple wars. Yeah. Um, which. Yeah. I, I don't mean to stress again, when he, st- as far as we know, when he started fighting, when he became a private for the first time, he was already near 50. So yeah, he was essentially... he was not a spring chicken. No, no. Again, this is a time when people lived to be, I don't know, like the, the life expectancy was 50. So low. It was so yeah. low. And at, at what it would effectively be anyone else's end of days, he starts being a soldier. <laughs> Like, I think it's time to start my military career right about now. Oh, God. And it seemed to have served him well. Absolutely. I I hope I did the story justice. Uh, I thought it was good. Well, thank you. I I can't stress enough. um, The dollops presentation of it is excellent. So if anyone... If, if by some amazing chance there's someone listening to this who hasn't listened to the dollop, I highly recommend that episode in particular, episode number 41, Samuel Whitmore. Theirs is a little shorter. It's only about 35 or 40 minutes. It's very good. Go listen to it. It's excellent. Yeah. They are, do have a wonderful podcast, so I, they do. I would suggest them in general. 
Um, with that, what would you say are your ratings for the pairings? Ooh, man. I really like the beer. I like it more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say I'm going to give that about a nine. Mm. And just because I did not get to have the tart with its full mm. bacony goodness, I'm going to give mm-hmm. it an eight. Because I feel like the bacon is what is going to take that up to like a ten. I couldn't agree more. I, I'm actually interested in trying it with, with slices of apples now. Um, because that, Maybe do that it without st- the onion. Oh, yeah. Did you st- I, could, I can't remember now. Did you use the onion? I did still use the onion. onion. Okay. I mean... So it had like a touch of savory. Right. And that's what I was going to say. As a matter of fact, um, they just opened a new... Well, I say just, but it's been like since June or something. But there's a burger place here in Eau Claire um, where that is literally all they do. When you go to this burger place, you're thinking like, oh, they're going to have like all these appetizers. They're going to have wings. They're going to have steaks and, you know, just nachos and shit. It is literally like not even a one page menu. They have three things on the menu. Two different kinds of burgers and fries. That's it. And the first wow. time we went, I was, yeah, I was like, I, I don't know. That seems, you know, but I don't know if you've ever been to a Raising Cane's. Their yeah. menu is very similar. It's chicken strips, it's bread, and it's sauce. They also That's have like coleslaw. And, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. But the thing is, like, you know that if a restaurant, especially especially a restaurant like Cane's that is a, nas- a now, like, national chain, if yeah. they have that small of a menu, it has to be really good because, <laughs> like, they yeah. have to do one thing really well. You have really to do well. one thing really well. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, uh, this this burger place, um, they do have one additional thing on the menu. Every month they do a sort of Bob's Burger style specialty burger. Okay. And the one for October was, oh, it was something like, a sesame sauce burger with sour apple slices on the bottom. Oh, and we went as a yeah, we went as a group, and me and one of Lily's friends, uh, Brandy, we were both like, it has apple in it. They're like, yeah, and there's lettuce and tomato if you want, and then but there's like this special sauce on the top, and then there's these little really thinly sliced apple slices, and we got it, and. I can't stress enough, probably the best burger I've ever had in my entire life. It was Ooh, unbelievable. Okay. So if you ever happen to go to a place where they have an apple burger sort of thing, give it a try. Really good. So yeah. I think I might actually have to do that and give the, I might go with the sauteed onions and give the apple a taste. What kind of apple did you use, by the way? Uh, was it green or red? No, it was red. It was a red okay. apple, but I could okay. not tell you what type of red apple because well, I don't fair. know what Gabriel bought. Was it, um, was it kind of rounder, like, like round more than tall? Yeah, it's, kind of, it's a little it's bit of green. Smaller. Okay. They were red with like maybe a touch of yellow. Okay, yeah, and that's pretty good flavor apple. If it's what yeah. I'm thinking of, it's either like a honey crisp or a something like that. Something like that. Either way, all either I'm way, saying is, it was good. Ex- yeah, expand your horizons. Try something new. You never know. Um, I am going to give the beer uh, a seven, only because 
My favorite really has become the the nitro milk stout, uh, the left hand oh, nitro milk yeah. stout, and that will forever be an eleven for me. I just can't, in good conscience, give anything else anything close to that. If it's not uh, the, yeah. you know what, I'm going to say eight. Actually, the, this because okay. kind of what you said, it's better than I thought it was going to be, especially with having tried it in the past. And so yeah. I'll give it an eight. Again, I hate you because this treat was so good. It's easily a 10. <laughs> and there is something about, because this beer too is a little, a little hoppy. It's a lager, yeah. but it's, so it's, it's nowhere near an IPA because I'm not a fan of IPAs, but there's something about the kind of extra almost tartness, which is great because what we're eating is a tart. There's yeah. just a little extra slightly bitteriness, slightly souriness that just is complemented perfectly by the savory, like, I don't even know, creaminess of the the tart with the cream yeah. cheese and the... So yeah, I hate you because it's so goddamn good. So the, <laughs> the pair together is easily a 10. I loved it so much. It's a It's a good pairing. And to be fair, I was not entirely sure... By which you meant Captain Samuel Whitmore, I 100% was thinking pirate ship. Not sure why, just was like, yeah, pirate ship captain. Like, that's, that's what the story's going to be. <laughs> but I all, really enjoyed it. If I, yeah. Sorry, I had to have another bite. I still have some here. It's great. Um, I did forget that, like, one of the big flip sides of telling the story, which... Totally makes sense why, like, you would have yours prior to this. You don't really have a whole lot of time to enjoy the treat. Yeah, that's usually why <laughs> I eat it beforehand. So then, like, I get to try it and, like, really think about the flavors. Because yeah. otherwise, I feel like I'm talking so much that I can't quite eat yeah, while I'm year, doing it. It is kind of weird. A year in, you have this shit figured out. I have... I have just been so lucky to sit here and just like banter back and forth and just have a good time. It's uh it's it's a lot more work on this side, so I commend you. It's it's It is, not but easy. it's still fun. It is fun. Well, and I'm glad I got to tell this story. Yeah. Um I'm really glad that we're here. I, there again, I mean, I owe it all to you. I've tried doing a couple podcasts in the past and we literally didn't even get into double digits, so to make Look it a whole year now. is Yeah. We were here. We made it. We have. And I'm excited to see what is in store for us in the future. Yeah. It's going to be be wonderful. It's going to be exciting. We'll have some, we'll have some announcements to be made at another time. So I was going to make a whole thing. We'll do like a little short thing at some point to just make a little announcement deal or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I should have thought about that prior to this. Anyway. Anyway, um, so if you have been with us on this journey, we really thank you a lot. If you want to send us any suggestions for stories or treats, um, please email us at peculiarpairingspod at gmail.com. And you can message us or tweet at us at, on Twitter at peculiarpairpod. And check us out on Instagram at peculiarpairingspod. You can also look us up on Patreon. Yes, you can message us just about anywhere one of us will answer Wrong. which one will be the mystery yeah 
Most I likely me. We'll I was find out. I was going to say, it's, it's probably you. I, well, probably I, me. I occasionally look at stuff I haven't been doing eh, very well. You know. It is fun. And I think that is it for us today. Yeah, we did it. One year. Woo! Woo! Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next time. We will. Goodbye, bye-bye, listeners. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.